0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is May now, and we're back with Farm to the Show. I'm Chris Diggerson, Hall of Fame, disabled list, and journeyman, joined by. <laughs> My good buddy, former teammate, Paul Yanish, lover of all things, Tex-Mex, Crossword, and A Man as Deep as the Ocean. And we're back we're back in the first week of May. And we are, you know, so far, it's been an interesting season. If we're gonna get into it, you know, we're gonna try to drop a little monthly recap. Um, but I think we've we've covered a number of stories over the last month, and it's been incredibly interesting. Not just uh, the product that we have, that Major League Baseball has, has put on the field with the rule changes, but there have been a n- number of notable, uh, you know, I think uh, circus acts uh, in, the, in, the, in the midst right now. Um, not just with uh, some of the battles among the division. We had disappointments. We've got surprises. but We've also had some off-field drama, and so we'll get into that today. Uh, today is Friday, May 5th. Uh, and, oh, particularly, happy secret to Mile. Paul, Same, this is yeah. a big day for you, separating the uh, the Mex- Mexican heritage of Mr. Paul Yonich, okay. who's, if you don't know, and if you don't know about his fantasy football prowess, his team name is the world-famous Chex-Mex.
1: Yeah. Everybody likes chex which Mexican. I did for-
0: – you can't deny Chex-Mex. I did forget to wear my Mexican jersey, although, you know, I'm not Mexican. I was still going to, you know, just for – it's just yeah. what you're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, man, I'm 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 50% Cinco de Mayo fired up, dude. Have a uh, half a margarita this evening, okay?
0: Oh, wonderful little Friday night. Hopefully, it's uh hopefully it's over a o- over a dub and you guys aren't That's holding right. a Friday Friday night L tonight.
1: Post game. That's right. That's right. But um, no, happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody out there. Um, well, uh, let's let's hop into it, dude. Talk about some of this first month stuff, like you said.
0: So for April, what have you been, been the biggest surprises and what are the the biggest disappointments? I think everybody's out there wondering right now, like kind of, you know, in a mild panic, um, you'd like to see your team get off to a, a good start because I think a lot of people get freaked out going into April, finishing and seeing where they're at and knowing that this could potentially keep up. Um, I think there's a number of exceptions, whether your team has been injury ridden, or you guys are just playing bad baseball uh, like the Mets and the Cardinals. Um, So what, what's your first, what's your first take around the league? What do we got? What do we got going, going into May? I'd,
1: I'd say let's start at the top, man. For me, the Rays, obviously have kind of set the tone in the first month. It's uh 20, whatever they were 24 and four or something ridiculous. Um, It's going to be tough to assume that they're going to let up at all with the, with the pitching that they have Um on the, in the national league, for me, it's the Braves, man. They're, they're pretty locked in. I know the Dodgers are there. They're, they're, they're playing really well also, but the Braves for me on both sides of the ball, they're, they're, they're pitching really well, dude. And that, that offense I think has a chance to be pretty special and they're young, man. So they had some success last year. I I like where they're at. You talk about some of the the New York stuff with the Mets. They've, they played poorly here the last couple of weeks, but at the end of the day, they're, they're right at 500 right now as we sit here today. I mean, I, th- I think they're still in the mix. You got Scherzer, you got Verlander coming back off the dia off the IL now. So you got the Beatty kid playing third that's swinging the back good. For me personally, I played for Buck Walter, So I'm going to go as far as to say mad scientist type stuff. Uh, what, what, what I mean by that is he's going to do whatever there is to be done to, to cross the T's and dot the I's. So I, I still, I still give them, there's a lot of season left is what I'm saying, Dicky. That's what in, in that NL in East, there's, don't don't sleep on the Phillies. There's a lot of action over there, man.
0: Yeah. So there is there are a couple there are a couple uh, notable incidents among these um, among these particular uh, timelines here. And, you know, talking about what's happening in New York and you with this with the starting pitcher, uh, you know, with the starting pitching, um, you know, Verlander and Scherzer both. Uh, Verlander getting, I think, taken the L. I think Detroit was swept the Mets. And so that's, you know, that's yes. not necessarily a good sign. And, you know, we can talk about surprises and disappointments, but, you know, a struggling, very mediocre, um, mediocre Detroit team right now. You know, you got yep. Miggies out there, you know, a lawn chair sipping margaritas and, Um, you know, there, it's just, it's not a very good division, but to go into New York and, and, and sweep is, is not a good indicator. And this is largely, and it's only magnified, um, with, uh, with everything that's happened with Scherzer over the last week and the, and the sticky stuff, um, and coming back in his first start coming back and give in and having, you know, I believe he gave us five earned runs or eight, you know, five earned runs, two homers, you know, some walks and, so it's, it's a really that's a tough pill to swallow when we get in that conversation is how do you bounce back from an outing? And it's not like you're completely suspended where you're not throwing. That is potentially an indication, you know, potentially of, you know, that there m- may have been more to that story. And it's unfortunate that it happened that way. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to do further investigation or it's just one of those things. that's just like the proof is in the pudding type of deal when you come back and put up a line like that. But that's a uh, definitely a tough uh, pill to swallow. Getting out of April, going into May, and getting swept by the Tigers, um, and then across the across the you know across the city and in, in the Bronx, same thing. Uh, Yankees having a real tough time with the Guardians, and again, you know, not one of the better divisions uh, in the, in the league. But you know, I think for you know, it's a we have we have troubles down, and I don't think it's necessary troubles because at the end of the day, everybody's in that hunt in the AL East. Um, yeah. You know, there's an interesting stat right now that this may be the first time in 40 years in which an entire division finishes above 500. They're in last place, but it's not a sign. It's not significant, but judge, that situation doesn't help either.
1: Uh, yeah. The Yankees have been ravaged by injuries, right? Like, so for me, what they're doing right now, I mean, they're, they're, they're sixth in the league in pitching right now. So, I mean, they're, they're, they need to get the guys healthy. They need to tread water right now, so to speak until they can get their lineup back going. Because to your point, I mean, you're talking about Aaron Judge's MVP last year, right? He, it's a big deal having him not in the lineup. Bader's hurt. Uh, Donaldson's hurt. They, they've just had a bunch of issues on that side of the ball. And if they can tread water right now, I think that they can that, – that division is not a joke, obviously. Like, they, they can't fall too far behind. But what they're doing right now is okay, I think, as long as they can get everybody healthy and get on the same page, get the offense rolling. Because it looks like they're going to pitch pretty well, man
0: yeah absolutely uh tampa continues to roll in that division um and it's not just what what we saw earlier with the pitching and the hitting it's it's the it's all around type of it's all around play of tampa that's the most impressive they pulled off the double steal the other day you know breaking ball runner going to second you know, easy steal of home i mean they're just they're so much fun to, they're so much fun to watch it's just a type of brand of baseball that you love to see. Not only did they set the major league record for 21 straight games with a home run, but the base running, the defense, uh, you know, you got Jose Siri in the outfield who can practically run down anything. And then, you know, I think they're, they're uh, I don't want to say swag because that's like an old man word that MLB is trying to like regurgitate to get gain younger fans, but their, uh, their confidence level is soaring right now. And I think that was evident with uh, Wander Freco and the, the ball flip and um, me, yeah, I, I don't, you don't consider you too too flip. too flashy. Paul, you're not the, the flashiest guy I ever met, but I believe you could not someone could not pay you
1: to flip a ball mm-hmm. like that no, man. and throw it, first. It, it That 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 type of deal wasn't for me, no, but um I will endorse what you're saying about their their the team's confidence. They're playing free, they're playing loose and holy crap, they are talented. And that's a pretty dangerous combination. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the ball flipping mid game, let's be honest, if you got a, if you got a veteran on that team and, and, the, and he doesn't catch the ball and throw that guy out, like there may be some a discussion to be had in the dugout. That being said, man, everything they're doing is right right now. So it's hard, it's hard to argue with, with, with the product on the field. Right.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. And <clears throat> to where you're talking about. And that's, I think that's been a, one of the more interesting things is, is, is going back to the Mets and getting swept by the Tigers when we're talking about kind of, you know, those behavioral issues where you potentially might have to take somebody off the field. And I think one is just uh, kind of a, you know, flash in the pan, you know, show, show you know, a little bit too showy in which there could potentially have gone really wrong. But what's uh, been happening with H- hobby bias who continues to struggle in Detroit, but not just struggle at the plate, but it's a, it's the base running, not knowing the outs, and um, and having a couple instances where he did have to get pulled off the field. And that's, you know, one of those things where it was it was handled in a, in a great way. And I'm not sure if anybody paid attention, but it's it's a you know, is, is simply pulling the player to the side and be like, all right, we're going to we're going to sit you out rather than, you know, yanking somebody off or like publicly, you know, subbing them out. So I think they you know, they continue to have their issues in Detroit um, trying to get their foothold back at the top of the at the central um, as teams, you know, kind of are going up and down right now, but the Orioles—that has been this big surprise. Um, them, you know, not only just treading water, in which we, the entire league, had probably expected them to do, coming off, uh, you know, a great season, which they, in which they overachieved last year, but they are actually thriving in a ferocious division right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a good young team, man. They got, you know, they got Cedric Mullins who's obviously a very established player at this point, but the catcher Rutschman behind the plate is, is, is arguably, I'm going to, I'm going to go as far as maybe to compare him to kind of what you would, what you and I probably thought of like a Buster Posey type player. you know, I I think he's got that kind of like it factor in terms of an offensive catcher that's seen from the outside looking in, seems to have this presence that is, you know, pretty calming. Uh, I, I think that's a, that's a big, huge piece for an organization that's looking to kind of turn the turn the corner, so to speak, um, they're not pitching it great. I think they're like 18th or 19th in the league, so there is some of that that they're going to have to get squared away. But look, man, 21 and 10 at this point in the year in the AL East is 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 pretty good, man. It's and, and don't 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 sleep on who's running that team, man. There's there's a, kind of a disciple of what the Astros had going, and and the Astros have been in the ALCS for the last six years, so I, I think there's a there's a, a foundation being laid over there that people are going to need to pay attention to for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then on the flip side of things, we look at the Phillies and where they were at and kind of treading water in in that division. Um, They didn't get off to a tremendous start, but guess who's back? Back again. It's Mr.
1: Bryce Harper, Uh, former MVP. Tell me you saw the the arm hardware he's wearing when he gets on base. I did, and that's where – we're going to take this conversation
0: because this is is very important. Um, I think you can offer some pretty valuable insight here. And I, I am not exactly sure if people understand the obstacle in which a Tommy John surgery comes into play here. And if we're talking about being a pitcher, you know, everybody knows that it's at least 12 to 18 months of recovery Um, in the rare cases that position players do go undergo Tommy John surgery. It is, it is notably less Um, Simply because you don't have to have the you're not getting back in, you know, you're not getting back into a a pitching mode. And I think there's a lot less. Obviously, there's a lot less throwing. There's a lot less stress. But however, um, there have been some notable comebacks. Uh, Tony Wombach coming back in 287 days. Another notable Jay Payton back in the day came back from two Tommy John's which is incredibly impressive given the given the, the time frame and the the, gener- the generation of surgical procedures at that time in which you can have come back from two successful tommy johns and to come back so quick is yeah. most people are saying that it's exceptional which which it is however you know, the thing is, he's playing first base, and I'm where nobody knows under which dress is like what he's capable of throwing. I think this is something sure. that may have been rushed back. The fact that he didn't do rehab, and when I say rehab, there's a number of different levels to rehabbing, it's not just getting back to throwing to where you can function but being what Bryce was was having one of the strongest arms in baseball that might take a, some more time and I think there's a there's there's something to this where him preparing to play first base and coming back is indi- is indicative of where his arm is at is that they don't want to necessarily put too much stress but they also don't want to keep the bat in the lineup as much as possible to where they're willing to almost compromise the defensive side of him being in a comfort, a comfort position in uh, in the outfield, as opposed to learning a brand new position within a, within a matter of months to con- to compensate and to to kind of substitute for the lack of the lack of wear and tear that he'll have to to do with his yeah. arm.
1: Look, at the end of the day, man, it, it's going to be a little bit of a pain tolerance thing. I mean, can he throw the ball over the over the center field wall from home plate right now? Probably not, right? But he doesn't need to. I mean, he's. I think in the first few games that he's played, he's DH'd. It, that's probably going to be the majority of what he's doing in, in the short term. Will he plug in at first base? I'm sure. But, like, <coughs> excuse me, I mean, there's a presence that a guy like that has. I mean, obviously, we, we saw the stretch run that last year in the playoffs. I mean, Bryce Harper's a, a generational-type player, right? Having him back in that locker room and that clubhouse in the lineup, day to day like it's a big deal man so how healthy is the arm hard to say healthy enough to go three for three the other day you know what i mean like the the, the, the goofy thing is the the guard that he's putting on when he runs the bases and they actually called a a, 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 a time delay or whatever he was taking too long to get the, the hardware on and i saw that they were petitioning the league to try to get more time or whatever leaks it sounds like they're gonna play hardball and not let him do it but. Um, I, it's good for baseball, man. It's good for the Phillies. To your point, they've kind of treaded water up to this point, and him being back in that lineup is gonna is gonna change things. There's there's just no two ways about it. So it's it's good for them, and 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 it'll be fun to watch. I, I am curious to see how long it takes them to become, you know, defensive again. If that's at first base, great. Um, I, I think that there's there's a lot to be. You know, first base is not just a position that you can plug a guy in. I, I know the Bobby Dickerson's the first base coach. I'm sorry, the defensive infield coach over there, who I'm really close with. He does as good a job of in, as anybody um, m- making guys aware of their situations and making them making them usable. But the, the first base positions is, is a big deal relative to infield defense, man. So I, I think Bryce DHs most of the time. We'll see how it unfolds. But regardless of how that happens, it's good to have him back on the field. Absolutely. And to
0: go back to that hardware paul this is something that i've seen you wear um 2004 uh 2005 you uh tore your ulnar collateral nerve uh or ligament um and you were you were required to have to undergo tommy john surgery take me through that process and looking at that hardware i mean essentially that was something that you were that you had to wear for a majority of, of roughly a couple months after the surgery and that's not just like a supportive Number, I think we've seen some more performance-based elbow protection, so very similar to JJ Watt and some offensive and defensive lineman. But yeah. that is what I would consider me being a knee guy. Um, that is a, what we call a, a functional, like a walking brace, and usually that is what um, you're put in uh, after Tommy John that incrementally, with the dial on the side, incrementally allows you to to move freely. And so him wearing that on the basis is 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 bizarre.
1: Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's precautionary. I think, right? It's it's to, it's to let's assume that he's not on the field if if there's like a real issue. But like you mentioned, the the linemen, I mean, they're wearing those things to help them to help prevent them from getting in compromising positions, right? Like that's what it's for. Um, it, I think it's fine. I think it's it's something f- probably more of a pain in the butt, honestly, for him to deal with. Um, I know it is. You know, relative to just having the surgery, it's that's a little bit different dynamic than wearing it when you're on the field playing. At that point, you're literally can't your range of motion isn't isn't to the point to where you can do anything outside of what the brace will allow. Um, but it is unique. We just don't see it in baseball. To your point, it's more of a football thing. The knee brace thing is obviously it's hard to find an off uh, an offensive or defensive lineman in football that doesn't wear a knee brace, right? Um, so I I think it's something that just like anything else, he'll get used to it. I, I'm curious to see how long. He wears it for i don't know if there's a timeline on that if he's got to get past a certain point but you know other than the aesthetics of it being kind of goofy i it, it, probably in reality i don't think it's that big a deal
0: 100 um and then just uh you know just I, I think not just the extraordinary the physical feat of coming back but just it getting it, the bats and bypassing the assignment yeah. which naturally occurs yeah. where you're down there it's like, all right, we're going to start swinging the bat. Then we're going to see live pitching. You're down in Florida, usually with the A-ball guy, you know, the A-ball guys, the rookie ball guys who've yet to go off to to camp, and then usually going to your AAA affiliate to get your to get your final at ABS and get polished up a little bit. He bypassed all of this and went straight into big big league Wagos. Um, despite the over three, but coming out and raking the next day. I mean, it's that in itself is exceptional because I don't think I've ever heard of anybody bypassing a rehab assignment for at-bats.
1: Yeah. Not, not somebody who also for, for, for went spring training, right? Like, I mean, he, he hasn't played in spring training. He hasn't done anything since last season. So it'd be one thing if it was a a tweak that, you know, you played the first half of the season and you missed two or three weeks and you plug right back into the big league team. Like that's not what we're dealing with here, but uh, we'll see. I, I read some stuff that he was talking about his timing and this and that and We'll see how it unfolds. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of a buffer period where he's going to have to make the adjustment. But, again, going back to it, you know, it's a different player, man. It's a different guy. He's, he's a, unique, a unique player, a unique guy, obviously with a lot of confidence. And I think he understands how significant his impact is on his team, which is something for Phillies fans to be pretty fired up about.
0: Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So early on, let's um... – Let's look at the big injuries, going back to Judge and DeGrom. Who do you okay. think is going to be more significant?
1: Mm. So, for me, we haven't touched on the Rangers yet. Obviously, they're playing really well. Offensively, they're really good right now. Um, I I think DeGrom's a bigger deal, even though he's got the the, the injury pass, and it's, it's – unfortunately, I think you and I can agree, it's not surprising to see him having some injury issues. Um, when he's healthy, dude, he's a game-changer on the mound. So, I'm going to say – Relative to the Rangers, he's maybe it may be a slightly larger impact on their team over the course of the entire season, which is saying a lot because we're talking about Aaron Judge, who's a, is an MVP and you know, a captain and, and that kind of stuff. But it, it's a toss up, man. Both of those guys are the type of players that, that, that change the dynamic of an entire season for their team. I know Judge has the hip, it doesn't sound like that's going to be significant. I hope it's not because you know, for a guy who's as physically big as he is and has as much power as he has and a hip injury is going to be a big deal man it, it, that, that needs to be something that's not too significant because it can it, it could be prolonged for a while and that's that's why I say I, I think Judge is, is coming back I, I don't think that's going to be as big of a deal to the Yankees meaning they're getting him back and he's going to be okay for most of the season Degrom I think is a little bit more uncertain I think it's there's reason to believe that he's probably going to miss potentially more significant time which at the end of the day is going to have a, a larger impact if that makes sense
0: yeah, absolutely. And with those two being out, what are we looking at as far as the two potential MVP and 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 um, an MVP candidate uh, kind of emerging and a Cy Young? Because you know, right now we're looking at you know the things that Ronald Acuna are, are doing right now, and it's just tremendous as far as just playing great all around baseball. And I think again back to. You already take an aggressive base runner and then you give him kind of you give him almost an an advantage with with the pitch clock. And I think, you know, the the percentage in which and the frequency in which he's stealing bases right now, he could potentially be a 4040 guy this year, I think, since, um, you know, through April. Uh, what he's done both at the plate and on the base pass certainly put him in a good position to where he could, he could really, if stay, if he stays healthy, he could reach historic, you know, historic heights. So it's certainly put him as the front, as a front runner uh,
1: for M- national league MVP. Look, if he stays healthy and does what he's doing, I, I, I don't think it's close, man. I, I don't, I, I will say this though. There's another guy on that team that is kind of flying under the radar, the catcher, Sean Murphy, who, you know, with a young pitching staff is, 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 is going to be a, be a pretty significant factor that being said acuna he's on a different he's on a different level right now man the the, the pitch clock like you said is he who knows how many bases he's going to steal this year i mean there probably as many as he wants right but um it's it's a unique player man and it, it's pretty fun to watch and he he's he's a veteran relative to the league because he's been he's been in it for five or five or six years i think already and dude i think he's 20 well he was our last our last it was our last. It was our last year. So
0: I mean, I think that's yeah. kind of one of the the, the in- most interesting things is our last year was 2017, and he had been called up. Um, one of the series that we played against in, in Norfolk against um, against Gwinnett yeah. County, and yeah. Ozzie had preceded him earlier and had yeah. eventually hadn't been called up, but this kid had come up from I believe it was a ball at the time. Yeah, he was like and 18. That. He was 18 or 19, and I and I we'll we'll save this for for a, a, an a, an episode at some point. But he definitely files under one of the genuine phenoms that I've that I've come to witness as far as not just the physical gifts. But I remember one of our our hitting coaches, Alonzo Powell, um, when he was in the Marlins system with uh, Miguel Cabrera, and he always talked about just there's something different about the sound and the velocity in which the ball comes off his bat. And I remember him hitting a ball in Norfolk, and I'm just like, and watching that speed, it, he is definitely on my list. I mean, it was just unforgettable—the the velocity and the movement that, and the the sound of, of his bats. And I knew that yeah. that he was going to be something special. And we yeah. played with some guys that that we knew were going to be good. You know, the Joey Vottles and Jay Bruce, where it's just like there's something about it that. It's 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 just elite. And mm-hmm. and Acuna is is definitely one of those guys. And he's put it together uh, year in and year out. So I think potentially his fifth year in, you know, we're looking at, a, you know, he's could be a certainly a potential MVP candidate.
1: Yeah, he just needs to stay on the field, man. If he's healthy, I, th- I think that the the, the rest is going to take care of itself. It looks like. Um, as as Dust as Dusty used to say, the greatest ability is availability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Can't make it up. Can't make it up. Um, hey, switching. Hey, good. Uh, kind of a good heart story. Liam Hendricks, man, coming back. He's uh, you know, overcoming cancer. I actually played with Liam briefly in uh, AAA with with Kansas City at one point in time, and just a really, really good dude. He um, he's Australian, obviously, and and just, I mean, from the makeup standpoint, he he revolutionized his career a little bit in in Oakland a few years back, and obviously become one of the premier closers in the game. That being said had some real health issues. You know, his story has been pretty well documented by major league baseball, rightfully so. And it's, uh, it's, it's good to see. It looks like he's going to have the opportunity to, to, I think he's going out on rehab assignment this weekend. So he's, he's, he's close. Um, We'll be interesting to see how he holds up over the course of a season from a physical standpoint, because uh, the treatment and everything else, obviously physically is going to break him down. Um, All that to say, man, super fired up about him. I think, at this juncture in the season, probably one of the cooler stories in baseball, having him in a relatively short time frame overcome it, get back on the get back on the horse, so to speak, and, and being pretty close to competing at the major league level.
0: Yeah, I, too. I play with uh, Liam in, in Toronto, uh, in, in Buffalo. And like I said, one of my favorite guys on the team. Uh, I just I, I love just the the Australian banter and, you know, in always drop away and eh, well, I don't know, might, you know, grab a game of footy, something yeah. like that. But, you know, I've run into him a couple times in the spring training since I finished and he just couldn't be a nicer guy. Just what he does off the field and on the field. It's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's no, it's no mystery. The whole route, the whole league has been rooting for him. Very similar to, to Trey uh, Mancini Uh, and his Mm -hmm. battle back from cancer, which is, which is incredible. And so, I mean, it's just two feel good stories where you just two great dudes. Um, again, you know, we, when we were down, uh, in Florida, uh, getting some, some time to spend with, with Trey and then the following year having that happen, um, with the, uh, with the, with colon cancer, I believe. Right. Um, but regardless to get back and to come back at that level is, is an incredible feat. So. Like you said, it's it's going to be about the physical thing moving forward. He's going to have to kind of have a, um, you know, kind of a a unique schedule to 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 kind of, you know, to deal with 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 the treatment and and some of the fatigue that may come along with this, because, you know, being on planes, it's uh, you know, we still got 100, you know, 120 games left. And so it's no doubt that it's taxing on a perfectly human person, let alone coming back from cancer. And, you know, while you might be on the field, you know, doing rehab, it's, it, you know, it becomes a, it becomes a grind after a while. So interesting. We'll definitely, uh, interesting story. We'll have to, we'll continue to keep a pulse on, uh, as we, as we go forward, we're going to pick up where we left off Paul Yanish talking about travel. Uh, mm-hmm. we played poof six years, six years, uh, in the minor yeah. leagues together. And we've had some interesting, incredibly interesting trips. I have a particular story.
1: Okay.
0: I want to hear what yours is.
1: You talking about? You want me to
0: go first? So here's here's my best. Yeah, bus life on the bus. Just give us a little 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 glimpse into life on the bus.
1: Um. So my best bus story. This is actually going back to um summer ball in college. Okay. I'm in uh, the Alaskan wait the Alaskan summer. I'm gonna
0: sit back for this. We're going way way back for this one.
1: Okay, listen, Alaskan Summer League, I'm playing in Kenai for the Peninsula Oilers, okay? It's on the southern peninsula of Alaska, for those of you, the geography majors. Um, We're going to play Fairbanks, which is, I don't know, an 11-hour bus ride, give or take. Well, we break down in rural Alaska, not break down, sorry, tire blows. We couldn't go faster than, like, I don't know, 26 miles an hour. And we were out in the middle of nowhere, bro, we were going, it was like four and a half hours at 26 miles an hour just to get somewhere to get it fixed. Right. <laughs> and then we had to, we had to, we had to hold tight, let them, let them fix the tire. Everybody in Alaska was in a big rush at the time. So the 11 hour bus ride turned into like, I don't know, the like 18 hour, 19 hour ordeal. And it's like, Hey, just in case you didn't know, of course I was young and dumb, didn't know any better. That's probably my best bus story, but I'm sure we're going to hear more. What do you got, Chris?
0: Okay, first of all, I just want to say 20, 26 miles per hour, there are grizzly bears in, in Alaska that run just mm-hmm. as fast, if not faster. That's so okay. that's a interesting note. If I've learned anything from BBC Earth is that <clears throat> those grizzly bears up in Alaska can flat out get it. Um, but that is an incredible story. But you, what you didn't mention – Again, back to the geography major. So you don't know summer in Alaska, there, the sun doesn't go down. The Alaskan okay. Summer League is known for playing a midnight game yep. in which the game starts at midnight and it's in its full sun out. So if you're doing 18, 19 hours, nobody there, there's no yep. sun. You guys are down with your like little poofy fuzzy eye mask that I know you all guys wear to, yeah. to get some sleep. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. So mine, uh, my favorite breakdown story, since we're talking about busted busted buses, was our 2006 uh, playoffs in the Southern Southern League playoffs, heading to Huntsville, Alabama, to go take on uh, to go take on the the Brewers, and that was a particularly yeah, right. good good club at the time. And So we were coming from Chattanooga. Paul and I were Chattanooga lookouts uh, mm-hmm. with the accompanying Southern League MVP jo- Joseph. Vado, uh, yeah, and so it's it's not by any stretch it's not a, lo- a long trip. It's about a two and a half hour bus ride down to what is arguably still to this day one of the worst minor league stadiums of all time. <laughs> and we had a particular hiccup, and when you're talking about breaking down in the worst part, we broke down in rural uh, Alabama, and I'm talking about this where we broke down. It was a, I'm talking about it was a it was a it was a, it was a time machine. Because we were thrown back to like, you know, 1950s, 1960s, maybe potentially like, you know, late to mid 1800s. We were broken down on the side of a road in the middle of a cotton field. And I remember I still had pics um, of the whole team sitting around in a cotton field for about two hours. And again, mind you, this is, you know, this is September. It's still pretty, pretty warm. Uh, down there. And so it was not, it was not necessarily pleasant being in 90% humidity sitting on the, on the side of the road for a seven o'clock playoff way go. Mind you, I think a lot of what happens when you have teams that are that close, you take a bus ride early in the morning and you still get in, get off the bus, maybe take a nap. So nap time, that's going out the window. BP is going out the window. We're looking just to get there just in time for the start of the game, but sitting out there, you know, broke, broken down, and it was, you know, it's it was, it's special. one of those things where it was it was certainly special to be at the professional level, knowing you're going to have to go against uh, a guy like um, Giovanni. Um, oh my gosh, what was his name? Oh, Curveball. Uh, Gallardo. Yes. Giovanni Gallardo. Gallardo yavani guardo and uh yes seven o'clock wago coming in just completely cold straight off the bus uh that was that was that was a rough one but i remember the people were kind of freaking out and it was almost like a history lesson where it was like you were sitting around learning about civil war civil war Mm -hmm. heroes and culture on your on your phones because it was and there was nobody passed nobody nobody passed us it was simply like let's put in the call that emergency call, somebody come get us, load on a new bus. But there wasn't a car for maybe for an hour easy. And we ended up rolling into that game, no BP, throwing on uniforms, going out. They pushed back the game, I believe, 30 minutes to our, to our unfortunate uh, scenario. Uh, we ended up going on to win that game, and which is even more bizarre because that's just how bizarre baseball is sometimes As you can feel – you could feel like a million bucks and go over four or four K's and you can show up just feeling like complete bag of crap and go four for four and end up pulling out a W. So I I use that not only just as a, as a great travel story, but just the general mysteries of baseball and how, you know, any day that you show up, you can either, you can, you, any, any team can win on, on any given day.
1: It's a stupid game, Chris, stupid
0: game. (laughs) <laughs> it really hey, is. Hey, it for, really for the is. record,
1: I think we had somebody on the all-name team on that team would have been Nucci Varner, if I recall correctly.
0: Nucci Varner. And That's if you're asking, names. Nucci Varner sounds like somebody who's from the backwoods of somewhere that doesn't get a whole lot of service. <laughs> and you'd be exactly right if we're going to be honest with you because he sounded like – I forget where he was from. I think it was i think it was Kentucky or, or wherever, yeah. West yeah. Virginia. But that name – it goes right along to whatever you're picturing in your head right now is that what that was Nucci and the man could hit, but he could not play defense. But I'm sure he had he had some he 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 was not short of uh of classic lines and and banter, that's yeah. that's for certain. Oh man,
1: the good old times,
0: the good old times, good old times. So indeed. So we're wrapping up May, and then we're looking to the rest of May. So who do you got? So going into our our quick, we're going to round this up with our our power our power rankings with our top five. Who do you who do you got? Who's at the top of your list right now? Obviously, I think that that Tampa's number one. You've also mentioned that Atlanta's playing um, great baseball, but there are some little small market darlings
1: that are up there as well. Who do you got? Man, it's tough for me. I, I like the Pirates in terms of those teams that are kind of quote unquote surprises. I think that there's something there. I think they got a good combination of like some youth, and again they're pitching it pretty good, man. Um, they're 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 number eight in the league in pitching right now, so that that's that's going to persist. I think um, for me they're they're the uh, they're the sleeper relative to the the the, the under underdog, so to speak. Yeah, and
0: I, I'm going to go with you on the on the Pirates. The only issue that I have is that they're about to run into a buzzsaw with their schedule. Much like much like we discussed with the Reds, you know, coming early into the season, having to go to Philly, having to go to Atlanta, they're about to run into some clubs right now. They got to play Tampa. They're going to have to play Atlanta too. So going back to back with two of the top top teams in baseball is really where they're going to have to prove their mettle and really kind of show if they're mm-hmm. if they're um, if they're the the real deal. Because if you pay attention to any of the actual MLB power rankings they're simply haven't just got enough credit because I think a large part of the teams that they have beat have been, have been sub 500. So I think this is going to be a big proving week for the pirates to see if they're the real deal. If they're, if they really are earning that spot at the top of the central division. And then you have, uh, and then you have Arizona who's, who's just, who's just chugging away. Finally, the diamondbacks are they're They're back. They're alive and kicking in in a, in a, really tough division. Again, Um, and I think there's some attention to be paid paid there as well as as we move forward into into May.
1: Yeah, I, 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 they're, they're playing well. I think that they've got a little tougher road. I think with the Dodgers and Padres in that division, who I think we're going to be are going to be there. It's going to be tough, but they they played well early, so give them credit. Your prediction for May? Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how things unfold. I'm curious to see if a couple of the teams that we talked about, the Cardinals in particular, do they bounce back? You know, it's it's. For me, those some of those kind of things are uh, are interesting to watch. I, I, I'm I'm in on the the AL East. I, I, I like watching that that division because I think it's indicative of, of kind of what's going to happen in the American League. I think the American League, in, in all likelihood, you know, obviously the Astros won the World Series, but it's it's you know we'll we'll see what happens. I'm my focus is more on the American League. I think there's more uncertainty on that side. Um, for me, I think that the Braves and Dodgers are, are, are going to be in in the in the driver's seat in the national league, we'll see who who can present themselves. Um, but but, for me, it's the American League, seeing how that how that side of it continues to unfold.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on the Cardinals there. Um, I'm just I'm gonna definitely keep an eye to see how they bounce back and they get through May because I think it's incredibly disappointing. Um, you know they've added some pieces, but they've had some existing pieces, and just the general cardinal, you know, baseball ways that they're always in the running. But I don't think they've ever been this far out in in recent memory. Um, just there, nothing's clicking over there. It's not a matter of of pitching or hitting. I think it's been uh, the struggles also have been indicative of the sh- of the shifts and the moves that they've made um, from moving Jordan. I think the outfield is crowded and trying to find, you know, having transactions where to get guys in a groove, to get regular at bats. And so I think there's been um, not necessarily some upheaval of of sending, um, you know, their, their number one prospect, you know, the the darling of early spring training, making that team um, sent down back to uh, Memphis. But, you know, with the pitching and some of the stories that are coming out from the minor league camp and how they've, you know, reevaluated and revamped their pitching system is, you know, it's definitely a storyline to see because, you know, again, you know, St. Louis Cardinals. They're they're gonna they're gonna find a way, but I don't think they've ever been this far out. They're usually a team that's been known to rally uh, after All Star. Um, so, you know, I'm just uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can pick up the their the Cardinals brand of baseball uh, throughout the rest of the month.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure.
0: All right, Pauly. Till next time. This is Farm to the Show. We're gonna wrap this up. Everybody out there. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. And don't be afraid to join. Uh, join, subscribe, drop us a like. If you're looking at this on YouTube. We will see you next week. This is Chris Diggerson and Paul Janusz, far of the Show. We will catch you next week.
1: Keep it real, Diggy.